0: Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Julian Rosen of the band Common Sage. We talked about Modest Mouse's 1996 album. This is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. Just a note, there's a few very minor audio issues on this episode. So just wanted to give you a heads up. Very minor. Anywho. I had a great chat with Julian a few weeks ago about Modest Mouse, and we really dissected songwriting, and why I could never give Modest Mouse a fair shot up until recently. Common Sage released It Lives and It Breathes on September 3rd, 2021 on No Sleep Records. Please check it out. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com spinningoutpod, and follow us on social media, that's Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Okay, won't hold you any longer? Let's chat with Julian. Hey Julian, how's it going?
1: Um pretty good. I'm pretty tired and I'm usually pretty tired. How are you? <laughs>
0: uh often very tired and i wonder how that's possible because i feel like i get eight hours of sleep but you know i guess just a product of getting older and you just get more and more tired and then eventually you just sleep forever
1: i, I wonder about it often also
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about modest mouse's first album this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about um, and that came out in 1996 on up records So, what I often ask is, uh, when was the first time you ever either heard this record or you heard Modest Mouse at all?
1: Yeah. Um, So, I heard Modest Mouse probably when I was in middle school, because that's when uh, MTV2 and Fuse was available to me. And that's when, uh, I guess that was, yeah, that must have been in 2004. So, yeah. Yeah. that's when they were getting famous. That's when their like commercially successful album came out. And that's when like Float On and Ocean Breathe Salty were getting plays. So that's definitely the first time I heard them. Um I loved those two songs, but I was at an age where I didn't like seek out music that I liked. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, was getting fed music from, uh, you know, the TV. But the first time I heard, um, like, Older Modest Mouse, like these songs or, like, Lonesome Crowded West stuff was uh, when I was, uh, like, maybe 15, 14 or 15, like, first year of high school or second year. And that's when uh, they left a bigger impact on me. or You know, that's when I, like, got really, really into them.
0: I always like, try and think back, on, like, when I heard them as well, like, I think... I feel like I often told myself that I wasn't a fan of this band. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was essentially just from, like... Basically, like, in my high school, there were certain people that I felt, like, liked Modest Mouse, and they were kind of... They were essentially just mean to me. (laughs) And so so it just, like... I was just like, oh, that's, like... You know, it was almost like indie rock for, like jocks or mean people you know but it's like (laughs) yeah like but mainly just because like of how popular they were at the time really all i'm saying is like it's just like when something gets really popular it's like there you don't have like specific ownership to it and that's completely fine that's just how things work um but it was like as a kid it was like these mean people like this band so i don't like this band absolutely and like yeah i only listened to like pop punk at that time so just carried that along for way too long and then it slowly chipped away at it and um like just discovered i guess i'll say their second record and was like oh have i been messing out but then that's the only record i'll go to and really didn't try and like recontextualize any of this until you were like hey this is the record i want to talk about and was like oh wow i like this even more than the second record which one are you talking about
1: the lonesome crowded west
0: uh, yeah i i like lonesome crowded west but in hindsight i mean with doing this episode i was like to me this is the better record you know and i know this isn't like officially their first record but i think for sake of like you know it's
1: their first like it's their first like full band record, i think.
0: Yeah. And the other one i think didn't come out till like 2001, the right. one that they kind of scrapped. We'll call this their first record, and i think most people would. Definitely. Uh, so i guess just like think of this when you were younger, when you were at the point i guess that you were kind of digesting what this was. Like what else were you listening to around that time? Um
1: that was a yeah, that was a big uh that was a big like awakening for me (laughs) that like moment in time. Um I heard early Modest Mouse for the first time. Um I was I heard of the Blood Brothers for the first time. Uh Cap and Jazz was a big thing. And I mean I always listened to Blink One Eighty Two, but Blink One Eighty Two was like going in a heavy rotation as well. But those bands stick out to me. Uh The most, I guess, I was listening to, like, Neutral Milk Hotel for the first time also. Like, all of those things. Like, every band I listened to just brought me to, like, a newer band. Like, Built to Spill, or, like, even, like, I think Passion Pit was a thing at that time. I was definitely into, like, Passion Pit and that era of, like, indie poppy stuff, whatever you'd call it. Yeah. But, But, like, Yeah. Blood Brothers, Captain Jazz and Modest Mouse stick out to me pretty pretty mm-hmm. hardcore.
0: When you were discovering these things, um, did you ever feel that kind of like indie emo divide or does that even like still exist, you know? I didn't... Those are kind of two separate questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean like I listened to like mall screamo stuff before this. Like I was listening to I set mm-hmm. my friends on fire a little before this and like Under Oath. And stuff like that but like obviously this sounded way different to me it was just like a whole new it was it was just completely new to me you know like it was a whole new sound it was these were like raw sounds like they weren't as polished there was a lot more inspiration behind it they were more original to me like all that kind of stuff so there was never yeah I don't know if there was a divide of any sort I didn't know what to call any of it at the time either
0: yeah it, it really especially when you look at like this era of modest mouse yeah. it really kind of confuses me where we kind of draw the line as to like what's indie and what's emo Yeah, it's really yeah you know yeah
1: <laughs> it's you i'd like to say that like this album is emo and that early modest mouse is emo but also it's not emo at all but also yeah. it's not really indie rock i mean I don't you don't know what else to call it so they're labeled as indie rock. They definitely became indie rock like for whatever that genre has been like uh defined as, but it's not really indie rock. It's just like it's kind of its own thing. I don't know anyone else that sounds like that album or has sounded like that since or before. You know what I mean? Like it, it I really think of it as like its own weird alternative rock creature.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nothing specifically sounds like it. The closest thing has always been, like, whatever was influencing Isaac Brock was also, I would assume, potentially influencing the guy from Built to Spill, or if it's, like, a freak thing. But it's, like, regionally, it's, like, Idaho versus, like, you know, that place in Washington isn't that far away from each other so it's like something specifically was influencing both of them and there's there's commonalities there even though they took it in kind of different expressions because um, that's always a thing like and i think that was like a later thing where it was like oh well i don't know i i guess modest mouse is a good band is what i er, eventually arrived at but it was like Then there was this weird like Modest Mouse versus Built to Spill kind of thing. And I feel like I just arbitrarily chose Built to Spill, which I'm fine with. I love Built to Spill. But, you know, it's like I just I invested more time into that, you know. Um, Yeah. And I don't know what kind of like those direct influences might have been. It could just simply be like K Records kind of sound, you know. Yeah, Um, I,
1: I think it was just like a dreary like northwestern atmosphere <laughs> that you know bred these like band I mean like Elliot Smith is from there too and I mean obviously mm-hmm. different but it's just like these very original like can't duplicate them people came out of that scene you know what I mean Nirvana is from yeah. like Seattle like they're all like they're all close to each other
0: yeah just like a something about the pacific northwest expression of kind of, like, it's almost just how they filter what they think is going on. I mean, everyone kind of does that. It's like you hear something as, like, a younger person, and you're kind of like, I want to do... It's either you're like, I want to do that, and then you kind of fail at it, or either you're like, I want to do that, and then it's just, you know, your own expression, which are kind of probably the same things. Um, So it's like that filter of which, like, Pacific Northwest always has kind of, like, filtered something into being is always like unique. Like even if you look back to like well, grunge, but before it was called that, just it was really just them kind of mimicking like later era black flag and then probably just whatever kind of rock stuff they were listening to. So it's like you know, like this this feels like akin to like Saddle Creek stuff in a way. You know, so it's like the probably the same influences in a way we're kind of like making its way even in the Midwest with, you know, saddle Creek. Cause I I feel like that's, that's almost like where I've filed modest mouse more as a band when it's like, no, I mean, they're a Pacific Northwest band. It's a completely different thing. You know?
1: Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, back to like built to spill and like modest mouse Mm -hmm. comparison. I also compare them because like, I don't know. They were just coming up at the same time. They, kind of got famous at the same time even though modest mouse i think like got a little more commercial but they have like similar like elements to each of them like they both like shriek a bit you know like there's a little like noodling going on here and there like emo and like post hardcore like sprinkles but they're not either of them you know Mm -hmm. but also i think that's what i liked about modest mouse more is that they're just, like, a little, like, harsher than, like, Built to Spill gets. Like, Built to Spill is like, a little, like, amazing, but, like, a bit more poppier in a way, whereas Modest Mouse is just, like, on this album at least, like, seems to be just, like, going on this wild, like, trip of just, like, <laughs> weird emotions. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, kind of looking back the similar trajectories they could have had, it's, like, vocally the two singers are fairly similar in my mind yeah Yeah, and it's like just kind of like it's almost like why did one not hit the heights that the other one did if it's just like you know the labels were just like well we got to take this one well i think you know
1: i think that's what I, i i usually respect i mean built to spill i think like stuck to their guns Like, the whole way through. You know, like, they're still doing their thing. They haven't compromised their sound, like, in any, Mm -hmm. like, kind of offensive way. Built to Spill's album's changed, like, from album to album. But, like, Modest Mouse, I think, has, like, a clear distinction of, like, like, a progression through each album, in my opinion. And especially on, like, um, The Moon in Antarctica, like, kind of doing what they're doing but like their sound changes really hardcore and they had a that gravity song that did like really well like people like just had it in like a ton of movies and commercials gravity rides mm-hmm. everything so that yeah. like brought them like fame i guess or and money and like attention but then they took it in this weird step further on like a uh, good news for people who love bad news which is Mostly, I mean, a pop album. I mean, it's not, and it is, but Float On is just, like, a hit. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hit single. And then from there, they've just, like, been getting worse. But (laughs) it's weird.
0: Yeah, I think it's, like, I always like the idea of, like, because when we're thinking, when we're talking about it, I feel like I want to gravitate towards something like Modest Mouse because it feels like they're willing to change. But Mm -hmm. their change ended up being more like with producers or maybe themselves, kind of ironing out everything that made them interesting to begin with. And, you know, that that's like, it's kind of like, oh, well, I could sing it without shrieking, so I'll do that. But it's like those were the things that kind of brought people there. But I, I get stuck in this mindset where I'm like, I want bands to change, and I love it when they change. So to sort of like criticize them for doing the exact thing I want, but it's like, well, you didn't change the way I wanted you right. to. You know, and I'm only saying this in hindsight of their career, not really following the whole thing. But that's kind of like what I thought they were doing to begin with. So it is interesting to hear you kind of like say the same thing as like a fan that that's what I assumed they were doing. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I love when I also love when bands change. I mean, I think it's silly. I, I, I get you mean, I mean, I get bored if some if a band makes the same album, three albums in a row, like I'm bored. With it, I'm sure other people aren't, but I like love when bands do that as well, and it's like super respectable. And I mean, I can I, I like that I can relate with it. I'm I like I'm sure I, like many other people can. As like I'm sure you can. Like who mm-hmm. wants to like do the same thing over and over, and I definitely even though I don't like Modest Mouse's new music, like I don't blame them for doing what they did or for whatever reason they did it for i mean yeah isaac brock probably can't like shriek his lungs out <laughs> anymore yeah. so he can't keep that yeah. up but i mean yeah producers or him or, I, I i honestly blame a lot of this on johnny marr he joined the band and ever since he joined the band it's just gone downhill in my opinion <laughs> mm-hmm. so he should have never uh, gotten involved <laughs> it's the Smiths. yeah i
0: always like wondering i'm like what was it was like what was he even doing at that point anyways <laughs> like why was he in that band and i know it's like a complicated thing because it's like the the musicians that you admire and look up to it's not like he's like frozen in time you know it's it, so so it's like i'm like i don't I, I always like was like i don't know why he's here like <laughs> like what's going on here you know but it's But then, as in a full-grown adult now, I'm like, well, man's got to work.
1: It's it's true. Also, (laughs) like, you can't be uh, you can't be depressed twenty-four-seven. So, as much as I like Isaac Brock when he's extremely sad over something, I guess uh, he can't he can't keep that up forever, you know.
0: Yeah, because I think he was just from the stuff I read about it, in a seen through the in the news for my whole life um i think if he would have kept up that track there wouldn't be an isaac brock now i I think it's like yeah i agree so it is like so it so it's like you have to kind of remember and you know we probably do the same thing and it's like you kind of just have to appreciate the record you do have of a band and kind of realize that it's like because as younger people i'm speaking for myself it's like I would have kind of taken offense that someone decided to change. Like, I remember people, and I, I don't know if you recall this band, but it's like when the singer of Polar Bear Club just uh, decided to, like, stop screaming. You know? I don't even like, remember
1: that. I, I don't think I've listened to an album where he's not screaming.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, there was, like, a point, I think their last record, where he was, like, he was just going to, like, sing a little bit more clean. Uh-huh. And it wasn't, like, the cleanest thing, but, like, he... Uh, yeah, and then I remember, like on I don't know, punk news or something, yeah. um, people were like, "What the fuck?" You know? <laughs> yeah, or just any of that kind of story. Like you could you could hear it so many times. It's like they just can't do it, and you have to kind of just let it. You know, like the things you liked, and let the person be the person they were that brought you to it. But back to Isaac Brock, it's like the man would have been dead.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> you know? I remember absolutely. I mean, I think his lyrics can be like cryptic like at times or like just they're very vague but like the the Mm -hmm. lines that do come through that are you know i guess more cohesive i don't know what word to use like i at least for me i've been like god damn he's really fucked up right now you know he's really upset right now i i remember i saw this weird uh it wasn't weird i saw this fan made documentary from when they were Uh, in the middle of recording The the Lonesome Crowded West. And it was just like a fan that was just like, can I film you? And they were obviously like, yes. And it's like very amateurish and edited strangely. And I don't think he was even there every day or anything. But um, there's just a point where he's just walking around with Isaac Brock and Isaac Brock is just like going around asking people, for money to just buy a forty ounce beer, and then they just sit in a park, and he's drinking a forty ounce, and he's like talking, and that's like kind of like I guess eye opening itself. But then he like just starts going on about this girl, and that one of the and that this the albums about her that certain songs are about her, and he's just like really <laughs> upset looking. It was that stuck with me for a long time.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's like we want someone like Isaac Brock to be like frozen in that situation and be (laughs) going through the same problems that he was. (laughs) And I think Lonesome Crowded West might've been like 97 or 98. So not long after this record, um, you know, and that's like 22 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I think what kind of, like, hit me, I guess even if if I have to talk about, like, the music side of it all, um, is I was really surprised with, like, how much of this record kind of felt like it was, like, recorded on a loop. Right. I am. And I like that about it, because it made me just kind of – it seems like a weird way to compare it, but almost like when you're – well, when, I, when I'm kind of playing around in, like, logic recording things, it's like a lot of times I'll just kind of, like, set something and kind of keep it going – you know, and then kind of add more as I go on, but it's like, feel out that, that way. And so then it'll just be a loop. And then it's like, Dramamine is just, it might actually be, a loop, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I almost can't imagine that they played it for like the six minutes, but I guess they did given the time, but it's like, it just feels like a constant thing. And that idea of like something staying the same, the drums and the bass for the most part, but then you don't, You don't really feel like it doesn't until you really start paying attention. Like it feels like it's going somewhere, but if you really kind of take, like, focus on those elements, it's like this is a loop for for like six minutes.
1: That that's that's an aspect of that album that has stuck with me like forever. Like when I started. Yeah, when I started writing music after that, I was just like, why don't we just play this for five minutes? Like, what's the big deal? Like, why don't we have this ending go on for five minutes? But I agree. It's like, you'd think something like that would get boring or old or you'd just be over it. But in their case, like, I never am. And I've listened to this album, I don't know how many times now. It's just like, it's mesmerizing. You know, it's just, like, really interesting.
0: Yeah, like, hypnotic, yeah. I guess, would be, you know, like, a way of doing it. And it's, like, there's lots of types of music and that do that, and no one says anything. It's, like, mm-hmm. that's the basic part of, like, most, like, hip-hop. Yeah. You know, that that is dance music to a T. And this doesn't even feel like it's, like, flirting with dance music or anything. Like, it feels, like, just cohesive, like, band elements you know yeah. uh, but it's doing a lot of those things you know um but i think a lot of times like so when i'm like writing songs now i i, I try and like force my band to like let's just like hang out there a little mm-hmm. bit more and, and like we try and do that to each other it's like a push and pull kind of thing because it's like i like the idea that you kind of like should earn the changes and it's a hard thing to to do and accomplish that but it's like I think a lot of our favorite songs have like less going on than we think. And it's like a notion with like the way digital recording is now to great effects when I'm recording myself, but it's like we just put everything in it and it's like, sometimes it's like, there's like, feels like there's four parts, you know, in some of these songs Mm -hmm. with, you know, so I love, I love that about it is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. There's some songs that have like two parts, but I think that the longer songs They genuinely do have like six parts or like at times or like five parts or something. And they go back and forth a few times. I don't know. There's like a handful of songs that do the verse chorus thing, even if they're like elongating it and making it weirder. But a lot of these songs have like many parts. And even the even these like long hypnotic outros that they do, the drums will switch up like slightly Mm -hmm. for a second. Or, like, as it progresses, like, there's just, like, slight variations, which I'm all about. Like, I, I, li- I live for it. <laughs> like, I think it yeah. keeps it moving. It's you don't even notice it, but you do at the same time. It's just really it's a really cool way of songwriting. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's something that they just, like, hit out of nowhere and did it unbelievably well you know
0: when you're writing for uh your project common sage does that directly does that kind of something directly that affects you when you're writing like something you think about like this type of songwriting or
1: i think um i think it was not with not with the newer album but Mm -hmm. our only other full album that was came out in It came out in 2018, but the songs that are on there, I was writing, like, it was a long time ago, but at that moment in time, I was literally trying to be Modest Mouse, like, by all means. I was was shooting for the stars. (laughs) I wanted to embody them, so it was definitely a factor in it (laughs) because I wanted to sound like them, like, so bad, (laughs) you know, which I don't any longer, like... That was just a week, that was just, I chalk it up to I was younger, but I wasn't that young. So I don't know what the deal was. I just really, I was striving for that. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think when, sometimes when you're kind of starting a new project, it's like, you want to find your own voice. So a way that you sometimes have to do that is you kind of hone in on something that you think you can succeed at, you know? So it's like. There's like a similar thing in, in comedy where I feel like I'll listen to interviews with people and they'll talk about like, oh, when I was younger, I was just doing like Mitch Hedberg and they'll just admit right. to it. And they're like, and they're like, and then the other person will be like, oh, I can, I can see that you were doing that early on. But, and they, you know, it's like a point where it's like you use that in your writing, but you definitely were like, well, what am I, what am I from this? You know, like how do how can I grow from that? Um, because yeah, when I listen to your most recent record like i don't you know i don't feel like i'm i was almost like trying to hear the modest mouse stuff you know and i was like well it doesn't but you know so that's like a weird experiment because i know that's not what you're going for exclusively or at all but but it is interesting to think that that was like a direct influence in your early songwriting um you know because that's like if something's like your favorite and that's the whole point behind this podcast it's like how has it like crept into your DNA in ways that you can't even turn off? You know, it's it's just the way you are. I think,
1: yeah, I think um, I will never be able to turn it off. Like, I think that when I'm writing music now, I'm just i'm not my 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 focus isn't on this is modest i'm trying like let's be a modest mouse you know like 2.0 mm-hmm. oh. yeah so it's definitely different i think that just like guitar tone is just like embedded in me i think that their riffs are just embedded in me like the keys that he did the the notes are like, I don't know, the just where he stayed, just like where their songs like live, the keys and the tunes and whatever, the tunings and whatever. I think that's like always going to be there. Like when I think about like, I mean, I think in, in my opinion, I think like most of what I'm playing on this new one is like modest mouse-ish. It's just getting buried more because there's another guitar <laughs> now. So like it's not yeah. as noticeable. But yeah, I just I think uh, I think I'll always like come up with or want to come up with a riff that sounds like an Isaac Brock riff.
0: Because I was watching some live videos and the interesting thing about them is everything. It's almost like I'm like, how did they write this way? I feel like this is like a way that people could easily write now. Because, like, you can just layer things, you know? And I know you could have done that with, like, tape recorders and whatnot, but it's, like, more of a process. It's, like, so easy for me to almost just copy and paste a guitar part throughout a song. Uh, But it's, like, it would have been a little harder Mm -hmm. then. But what's always interesting about Modest Mouse is that everything kind of feels like everything's like a very thin layer but there's so many of it are on top of it especially as you go like later on into it like with the next record and mm-hmm. um, before they kind of become the huge band that they became uh, but everything's like oh this is that piece you know like everything's so ramshackle it's like there's bringing sticks there and just layering it all together and it, then the scaffold of it creates something really interesting you know, together. That's such a unique way of writing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that he probably did like record on a tape or something maybe. And I mean, initially, like, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, his, their first album, which got released uh, way later, like 2001, sad sappy sucker is like 95% just Isaac Brock and a guitar and his tape recorder, you know? And they're, like, really skeletal, like, simple songs. And there's a few songs that have drums on them. But, you know, he was probably just doing that forever for a long, long time. And then when the drummer finally joined, I mean, his drumming is just, like, it's it just, like, it's it, it just, like, rolls. Like, it just keeps on going. So, you know, the, the album reminds me of just like a bad acid trip like in the middle of nowhere like in the cold rainy mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like they were probably just like <laughs> getting messed up and just like playing for like hours on it you know which i mean
0: yeah i mean they definitely were yeah. <laughs> i mean that's like the the stories behind them involves lots of you know drugs right right, right, right. <laughs> all, right. all types of drugs. You know, it didn't seem like there was, like, a one specific drug. It was just...
1: Drugs.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Drugs, yeah. Um, but a lot of, I guess, what this record is, like, even with what the title says, is about the idea of, like, traveling. Um, you know, so, which is probably, like, a common theme, I think, in the terms of... Just, like, an example I have is my brother lived for a long time in the Pacific Northwest, and kind of, like, the way that he starts talking about traveling is a lot different than I feel like potentially we're used to because you're still in uh, the New York area. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like our idea of like traveling somewhere is like an hour, (laughs) you know, like it's even more so probably different for you. It's like, like you can get to Philly and you know, how long, Yeah. you know, that's another major city, but I feel like in the Pacific Northwest, There's this concept of my brother would always be like, oh, I'm I'm just going to this other city. And I'm like, well, how long of a drive is that? It's like, it's, you know, eight hours. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, eight hours? Like, I would, that would be two days for me. (laughs) You know, but that's just, like, what you do there since things are so, like, more spread out.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's just nothing in between. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's, I mean... I haven't been on an eight hour drive with this album, but yeah, I've been on long drives with this album also. And I'm just like, this just makes a lot of sense. Like, this just feels like it it should be for this occasion. And I mean, you could say that about a lot of albums, like everybody has like a driving album, but it's just like, it's, there's so much There's so much time on all these songs, like we were just saying, of just, like, music, you know, just, like, repetitive music, and it's just, like, it's just filling in all of this, you know, nothing. I mean, there's something, but it's, like, a lot of nothing at the same time. It's... Yeah. I think that's, like, really interesting. It's, like, it's cool.
0: Yeah, like, when comparing, like, Built to Spill to them, I guess building off of the thing I said about, like, kind of how they layer, like, Built to Spill, it feels, like, everyone in that band, the three guitarists at any given time, they all know like every note and every arpeggio, you know, it's like, so it's, but it's with modest mouse, which is interesting. Cause even if they're noodling, it feels like they're noodling on like different one note solos.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know they're, <laughs> they're all just like going off, you know, they're all, yeah. I know they're like, yeah, I just, I, ju- I haven't listened to this album in a long time. And I, I just listened to it again recently and like, I still love it, but you're just bringing up all these like points that when I first heard them, I was just, you know, like mind blown. So it's fun. it's funny to hear like you saying it back, but yeah, I remember when first, first hearing this, I'm just like, how are they all so good at what they're doing and just like, like anchoring it at the same time, you know? It's, it's cool. Yeah. Isaac Brock is a madman at playing the guitar. Like un- unreal to me. Like s- still one of my favorite, you know, musician, like guitar players.
0: Yeah. It feels like this because I have this book that has, I think I just got it from like a Urban Outfitters or something, but it's like a book that's like everyone in band you likes guitars. And then when it gets to like his, he has a page in it, and it's just like a picture book. It's, like, the dirtiest-looking guitar <laughs> with, like, like the, like the a headstock that's been broken so many times. And then kind of, like, other, like, symbols that he said he plays, he just said he, like, stomps on them when they play. And it's like, oh, well, I just, like, fell asleep on the guitar, so it broke the headstock <laughs> here. It's just, and then there's just, like, just dirt. And, you know, the picture of it, because it goes into big detail, but it's like, there's no, like, finesse with them like even as if you kind of like i feel like you can kind of like just take it in and like we were talking about going on a long drive and it hits you but if you there's so many little parts to this record or them um that are just it's just pounding (laughs) but it but it's like not like they're like a hardcore band or something but it's like it's aggressive it's like the most aggressive way of writing like the sleepiest music. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I agree. The, uh, what song is it? I think it's called mechanical birds. Is that it? Yeah. Make everyone happy slash mechanical birds. Yeah. The, The, the harmonics that go on at the end of that song. It's just literal. It sounds like shrieking. I'm just like, how did you, how, how did you do this? Like, I don't know how to do this. It's just like, (laughs) scratches you know it's like it's Mm -hmm. harsh and it's like it's like heavy music almost but it's not heavy music yeah yeah
0: Yeah, and that's what I think like it's like when we kind of ask ourselves like how someone did something a lot of times like these feel like just the best accidents because I don't know if there's a way that you know they probably do a version of this obviously they do a version of this live or any of these kind of songs but it's like they probably never actually hit where it did like you would almost have to learn it and they maybe have but it's like you just kind of do something you just kind of grab your guitar and the first note that kind of comes out that's somewhat in key is what feels like it was captured and so it's like just happy accidents would be the term because it doesn't feel like something that was rehearsed a lot of time
1: i know what you mean but like i know what you mean i i feel like uh Do you know, um, the glow part two by the microphones, Mm -hmm. that album is like so lo-fi and like feels so unrehearsed. You know what I mean? Like, it's like really messy often. Um, a lot of things sound like improv and stuff, but at the same time, it's just like so dense and so like, it's so unput together that like it's put together. Like, he had, he had to have thought about this. He had to have, like... Yeah, you know totally.
0: I, mean. I think, like, it's almost like when you think of... It feels like a painting or something, yeah. which <laughs> seems like a silly way to explain <laughs> it. But, but it's like when you... Like, if you've taken all your painting classes and you get to a point where you, you learn your fundamentals, and then it's like by knowing those fun- fundamentals, then you can kind of play. Because sometimes you look at, like, an artist and you're like, you know, you look at like a drawing someone did that's like a famous artist, and then you're like, "I could draw that," but you're like, "But the things that they kind of unlearned oh, yeah. to get to that point, or that's what's hard to learn." You know, so it's like, I, I bet, and I agree with you that you know the microphones or even modest mouse, it's like very well rehearsed but it's like you kind of get in the situation you know exactly everything you are supposed to do right. so by knowing that you kind of unlearn yeah, it you and know you
1: can like deviate or wherever yeah and you can
0: to. only do that if you knew it to begin with you know so so yeah i don't i don't disagree that it's like tight because it's like there's no way you would have because everything sounds right, right you know right. but I, what's funny is like i don't feel like on any episodes i generally ever say words like harmonics or you know like and it's it's interesting that this record kind of hits me that way because it's not really where my brain goes with stuff yeah just like the way that they constructed is very interesting to me and usually it's like it's like well what were you thinking what does this make you think of politically it's probably like where i'll go with things so i don't
1: know. yeah i think that this album's uh (laughs) i don't know what to call it the the noise or just like the decibel that this album like reaches is just like it's different than like the frequencies that are getting like reached here are different like there's just like really high like pitchy stuff going on you know that which is something that like when i was trying to emulate them uh stuck uh stuck out a lot like I think, I think a thing I was trying to do with Common Sage when trying to be Modest Mouse was like, okay, how can I, like, make this slightly better? I can't, but, like, okay, it can get a little heavier, or, like, I can use more harmonics. So, on older stuff, I was just, like, wailing on harmonics, and I figured... I. I don't know how I initially figured out how to do it, but eventually I got my hands on a jazz master and Mm -hmm. you can, the strings like extend, you know, so you can uh, bend them with your hand. So you don't need a whammy bar. You don't have to do this like weird thing. You could just hit a harmonic and bend, which he wasn't doing. He didn't have like a jazz master or any of those guitars, but I remember when he got his own, like Isaac Brock branded guitar. Like when somebody made him his own custom guitar, he was like, Oh, I asked them to do this with the bridge. So I can like do that hand motion easier. So I think what he was doing like on this album was he had, you know, a Stratocaster or a Telecaster or something. And he was just like, you know, smacking his hand into the bridge just to even get it to like, to, to, to get it to bend, you know, notes to bend. Mm-hmm which is crazy. I don't think he, I'm pretty positive he wasn't using like a whammy bar or anything like that.
0: Yeah. I think like when I'm, when we think about that, if that's how we executed it, like when I watched the like live video of them, it was like them outside. And this was in the past few years and there's like eight people on stage. So it's like, after you kind of are at a point where you're using like a Stratocaster and just bending the shit out of it, it's like eventually through the journey you're like, well, what tool actually allows me to do that without, like, fucking up my hand or my guitar, you know? And then so eventually they have, like, eight people in the band, and we're, like... It's funny, because, like, the kind of, like, trouble that it takes to even, like, get to that point, you know?
1: I think it's... Yeah, I think it's wild. I think it speaks to, I guess, him as a person and their music. Like, he could have gotten a whammy bar, or he could have gotten an offset guitar but no, he just did something weird with a, <laughs> a bridge that you're not supposed to do, you know?
0: Yeah, and I guess that's probably, maybe that's the difference almost between them and uh, Built to Spill. It's like Built to Spill might have just gotten the right tools. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. And that's the difference.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe like a little more sane <laughs> overall <laughs> than they are than Modest Mouse <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess like, when are you from like the New York area, like originally that like, kind of born and raised or?
1: Yeah, I, I've been in Staten Island uh, most of my life, which is it is New York, but it's not really New York. It's this weird suburban New Jersey kind of place. It's pretty similar to Jersey, in my opinion. Um, uh-huh. I've been in Brooklyn for maybe like five years now or maybe like four years. I can't really remember. But I've been like in yeah. New York my whole life
0: so growing up in staten island i assume that that would have been like a different experience than like growing up i guess on long island um so it i mean it would have been like a different scene so i'm thinking of bands like on the might of princes and i i'm wondering like what the local scene in staten island was if there was one for you
1: yeah um i think I think they're pretty similar. I never went out to Long Island or anything, but, you know, Long Island has and had, had and has a really strong, like, hardcore scene, you know, like, a strong, like, pop punk scene. Um, And I think that more bands from Long Island have gone on to, like, see fame or, like, bigger things than Staten Island bands have. But, I mean... Same goes for Staten Island. Like, it, it had a really strong, like, hardcore, post-hardcore pop punk scene for, like, a long time. Um, the the drummer of my band, who, like, now lives in California, uh, is slightly older than me, so he was really involved with the scene back in the day, and he was, like, in what I consider you know, like the most notable bands at the time, which probably aren't notable, but, you know, they were like kind of like quote unquote legendary in Staten Island. Like he was in a band called Qantas never crashed and they were a really big deal for a while. Um, they played a lot with this band called Monty Love and they were a big uh-huh. deal for a while. Like they, they both toured like a ton and like, I, I forgot if I said his name, Phil, who was the drummer, uh, like, they played shows with Title Fight, like, right before Title Fight was, like, Title Fight, you know, they were gonna Mm -hmm. go on tour with, I think, Dance Gavin Dance at one point, but, like, anyway, that's what the scene was, it was, like, kind of older people that were in heavy bands that I never got that into at the time, I I got into all of that stuff, like, well, after the fact, like, after they were around. But I was always, like, involved with it. I definitely went to, a bunch, like, I had friends that were playing hardcore shows and, like, post-hardcore or whatever you'd want to call it, shows. And I was going to all of them, but I wasn't ever making that type of music. I was, at the time, making, like, Neutral moco Hotel, like, Modest Mouse-inspired stuff. Mm-hmm. And the bands I were I was playing with were... I guess, like, similar mindsets, but very segregated. Like, the same people were never at the same shows, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it it was weird. But I was friends with, like, the kids that were into the heavier music, so I was involved with it a bit more. Like, you know, I stretched my ears when I was younger because I was like, hell yeah, everyone's doing it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... I guess back to your original question. I don't even know if this was your original question. I think they were similar vibes, you know, like suburban areas and kids playing, you know, heavy inspired music, you know. I think that's Yeah.
0: So that, well, I think it's interesting to think that Staten Island had a big enough scene that people could kind of like go off into their own groups because like I think I've thought about this a lot and I feel like I bring it up every episode where it's, it's almost like when you're from a place that's almost viewed almost like a small town. Like it's like Staten Island almost is a small town because it's just, if you're, if you're young enough, you're just there. You might as well be in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, it's like, you can't go anywhere else, you know? So it's like, it's not, I think a lot of people that from my experience of talking to people from Staten Island it seems like people just kind of stay there a lot of times, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's like I would almost think of it like people think about music not dissimilar from <laughs> Boise, Idaho, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I most, most of the people I know from Staten Island are, like, still in Staten Island. And all of the people that I know that were making music when I was much younger are still make, who still do make music are making the same type of music. You know, they haven't gone out like a bunch of people. I don't know like personally or even by name I'd have to be reminded, but that I like aware of, like I know so many people that have just jumped from one hardcore band to the next and like don't go anywhere with it i mean like they've reached a certain level of fame but they you know don't deviate they don't they don't go anywhere else from that like i don't know if you know this that band d's nuts they're like i've heard the name yeah like i know a kid that i don't know him but i know of people in that band that if they're still a band you know they're still in that band they're still doing the same I think, type of music, as far as I know, you know, and like they've gone on to other bands. Like, there was a band called Vice, I think, and they're like, mm-hmm. sound almost identical, in my opinion, which I mean, yeah, no yeah. offense by, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just Staten Island, I guess. I mean, it's just where you're coming from, you know, that yeah. makes that happen, I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, when you were younger, um, When you were getting into Modest Mouse, you said that a lot of it was just you were hearing it on, like, Fuse or MTV or whatever was playing it at the time. Uh, Did you have, like, older siblings or kind of, like, just people in your life that was, like, turning you, like, kind of getting you into this type of music? Because it does seem kind of indie-centric, you know, like Modest Mouse and Neutral Milk Hotel. So it's like... Who I guess who was feeding that to you, or was that something you were discovering yourself?
1: No, yeah, I mean when I like heard Float On, that was on Fuse or whatever, because that's you know popular, you know that's what's getting yeah. paid for. But when I heard yeah, early Modest Mouse and all these other bands, um, it's when I started hanging out with these kids I used to hang out in middle school with them in middle school, but they were a year older, so there was like a weird gap. And then there was a full year, like when I was in eighth grade and they're in ninth grade where I, I didn't see them because I'm in middle school, they're in high school. And then when I became a freshman and they were uh, uh, sophomores, we all like started hanging out again. And there was this kid named Matt Paglisi who just got his first car and he was playing yeah. all of this stuff in his car. I remember, oh, yeah. wow. And. Yeah. just like on like you know shuffle or whatever and I was just yeah. like in the back of his car just you know like my getting my uh world rocked <laughs> and they 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 all had listened to this kind of stuff already but it was the first time I was hearing like cap and jazz and I was just like this is unreal I've never heard like anything like this but then from there I mean that's how I got into I mean most emo music like I just I think I was looking on like Last FM. is I think that's the website yeah 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 and yeah. on that they had similar artists so I was finding you know like American Football like Promise Ring but also that's like I think when like bands like Snowing and Empire Empire were like active and like Algernon and all that so I was just like getting all of that stuff like as fast as possible
0: kind of like from yourself and also an extension off of those friends that you're Yeah, exactly yeah that I mean that's so neat because I feel like um when I was of that age that just kind of hearing something in a friend's car it was like metalcore and that's like what my friends like and it's like I don't regret it but it's like but I also think about like when I heard when I heard like MTV or whatever it was, it was like I heard something like Foo Fighters, and so like kind of in my DNA, it's like that type of guitar rock. So that kind of led to like Husker Du and like uh, Sugar and stuff like that. But kind of the journey back to it, kind of through metalcore, you know, like it took a long time. So even like it was, you know, like just rediscovering something like Modest Mouse, like took the right person, like you, you know, or just sometimes it just takes the right people is the point I'm making. And it's so, it's so unique that it's sometimes it's just your friends in your car and then it just hits you. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. cause they could have been an ICP. Exactly. And that would be, we might not, yeah, you know, <laughs> we might not be talking now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or the journey back would maybe have led you back here, but the in between, man.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think the journey back thing you said is interesting because I, I heard of, I mean at the time I definitely listened to like Fugazi or like Rites of Spring mm-hmm. or that kind of stuff at the time. Like I heard Promise Ring and all that stuff but that isn't this is this isn't like the indie like circle of bands that really like influenced me at the time but this is like more the emo side of things that you know mm-hmm. I'm still into and wasn't but like yeah like I wasn't into the older bands even though I heard them then. It's only like recently like the past like few years that i'm like man rights of spring fucking rules like this yeah. is unreal like promise ring is amazing <laughs> you know like i didn't listen to it as uh as much as i do now when i first heard it
0: yeah that's always a thing just kind of like the journey back or kind of discovering things it's like there's never a wrong time to discover yeah. <laughs> something for the first time and i'm i'm always like as much stuff as i listen to it's like It feels weird that it's a reoccurring theme in these recent episodes. That, like, I'm like really digging, like, how have I not really dug into Modest Mouse? Like, what is this mental block? Because it's right there. It's like, I own multiple built to spill records. Like, (laughs) why? You know, that's it's weird when there's these aversions to it just from like essentially. I think the scenario that I think it was like, I walked into someone's house. These people essentially, you know, were mean to me. <laughs> and then be, because of the fact that they were listening to modest mouse on like with like Winamp amp on or something and doing that kind of, you know, uh thing, I just somehow burned in my brain that it's like, I will not <laughs> listen to modest mouse. No, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, I can't in this moment think of like something, but I absolutely have done that. I just won't listen to something. I feel like it's a rapper or something like Nas or something. I'm like, I just never, looked, yeah. I don't know who it is, but yeah. It w- and it was something less stupid than somebody being mean to me. It was just like, <laughs> oh, like this guy was listening to it. Screw him. Like I don't want to listen to yeah. what he's listening to. Yeah, you know, like so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> very human
0: <laughs> yeah you just kind of like no matter what it's like no nope, yeah. <laughs> that person did this thing to me and i will never yeah. be able to separate those things but then b-
1: it comes on on the radio one day and you're like damn, what is this? this is the greatest thing i've ever heard and you're like oh fuck me <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so like we kind of you know talked at the top and throughout the conversation you know with the new common sage record um so that recently came out on No Sleep record, So I guess if you want to talk more about that relationship and your process leading up to this record.
1: Yeah, it was a weird one. Um, I feel like I've talked about this a few times and, like, have tried to word it differently each way. Um, But what happened was we were playing a lot of uh, shows as Common Sage like three years ago at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. not writing new music at all just playing all of these heavily Modest Mouse inspired songs and um, for many reasons what ended up happening was um, the bassist Jenna left the band which I was upset about so I was kind of left with you know being like what's the point of this Phil was like let's just write songs I had like some, you know, ideas here and there for stuff. Mm -hmm. So then we focused on um, a few of the songs that are on the new album for a while. Then uh, coronavirus broke out. He ran over to California um, for maybe like six, five months, maybe five months. I started really focusing on these songs by myself. And then I asked my friend, Chris, who's in the band stay inside. Who's on note, who's already on no sleep. Um, if he'd be like interested in playing bass, cause I was writing, you know, strictly guitar and, um, just like structures. I was like, it'd be nice to like, not focus on bass, even if it's just going to be the root note of everything. And, uh, He was into He he Said sure, And so then we started uh, hanging out like once a week just to like write these songs together. And then one day I was like, or maybe if it was even his idea, I don't remember. But one of us was just like, hey, do you want to like play lead guitar on this? Like, do you have any lead guitar parts? Because I wasn't doing lead guitar and I don't even consider myself a lead guitarist, even though I have been the only guitar in the band since like it started and he was into it and then all of a sudden he just started focusing on lead guitar parts for each song so we wrote a lot of that then I went out to California to see Phil for a week and we focused on these songs a lot of them were new because we haven't seen each other in so long Mm -hmm. and yeah what happened was I went out there for a week we like buckled down and played intensively the week straight on these songs I came back out to New York maybe for a week or maybe maybe two like continued to work on them with Chris and then Phil flew out to New York and we practiced again for a day or two and then Phil and I drove out to Chicago to record with uh Neil Strock who actually recorded a lot of uh, uh, Tim Kinsella stuff like Joan of Arc and stuff okay. like that.
0: yeah and
1: then I think Chris met us the next day because he wasn't able to come with us. And then for six days we just like recorded these songs that were all of them like kind of not like really written and it was like horribly stressful and I was on the verge of uh, having a panic attack the whole time <laughs> and we got it done somehow and yeah chris and i did like a few overdub like extra stuff like i think a week or two after the fact Mm -hmm. yeah we got like the most of it done with neil and then uh honestly just because of chris we got it out on no sleep You
0: just yeah, yeah, so it's like you had to put yourself in like a extreme Isaac Brock, early Isaac Brock situation, <laughs> to like get it done with, you know? so, <laughs>
1: yeah, slightly. I so, guess. yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: so and before I let you go, is uh, where can people find you online?
1: They can find me everywhere. We are on, I think, everything except for Tumblr. And if anyone's listening that wants to follow us on Instagram. I love it i love it it makes me feel better about myself every new follower we get <laughs> and you can listen to the album on all of the normal streaming services as well
0: <laughs> yeah and you also have a uh, vinyl coming out so I, I guess it got kind of released um digitally which is i guess common yeah. common these days and also common with you know, the pandemic. Yeah. um. So, so yeah, I, I saw that and that was really cool to see. So uh, definitely pick that record up. Yeah. People that are listening. They're,
1: yeah. Vinyl pre-orders. Yeah. And I think there's going to be tapes like in a few weeks also, which is cool. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It was a pleasure, Uh, you know, rediscovering, recontextualizing Modest Mouse and not being such a hater anymore. <laughs> so I appreciate you taking me through that journey.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me and talking to me.
0: <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks again to Julian for coming on the pod. It was a great time talking about Modest Mouse and becoming a fan. Potentially. Check out the new Common Sage album. It lives and it breathes wherever you stream music. Okay. Next time we're chatting with my friend Gordon Phillips of Downhaul. We talked about Against Me's 2007 album New Wave and about the antiquated concept of selling out. Great chat. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com spinningoutpod. Please follow us on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And please think about subscribing to our Patreon. Every little bit counts and keeps us going. Okay, thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Matty for the theme. So on that note, see you next week.